So, I don't like banks. They make exorbitant amounts of money by providing minimal service while gouging customers and boldly lobbying for banking deregulation while they destroy the savings of retirees in their subprime mortgage fiascos. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Produced by Soapbox Media. The world needs evidence-based public policy now more than ever. Making the right decisions should not be partisan politics. Please help spread the rational view by going to patron.podbean.com slash the rational view. Together, we can make a better future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. In this episode, I'm going to go on a bit of a rational rant. So maybe not so much science-based content, but it's a pet peeve of mine and, and probably of yours too. So today I'm jousting at the windmill of excessive banking fees and lack of customer service. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to press like on your podcast app. It really shows the love and um, can help spread the rational view to other listeners if they see uh, you hitting the like button. Uh, really helps me out. Thank you so much. So I don't like banks. They make exorbitant amounts of money by providing minimal service while gouging customers and boldly lobbying for banking deregulation while they destroy the savings of retirees in their subprime mortgage fiascos, especially 2008, where they basically sunk the entire economy. But there are multiple, multiple examples going back into history. And my recent, um, podcast with uh on on the big myth uh goes into some of the uh cover-ups that have been uh engaged in to try to um pretend that uh no regulations is good for us that's not the case so banks have a special dispensation from the government to print money whenever someone takes out a loan and then they can gamble with it on the markets they have very little oversight in my opinion And they try to push beyond the limits of what's legal. I remember, uh, personally back in the, in the early nineties, um, our, our, my cousins were involved in a food processing company with a bunch of farmers in our area and a major Canadian bank, uh, a green Canadian bank had provided a, a business operating loan. And it just so happened that the bank decided to ask the primary owners to secure the loans with their homes as collateral, telling them it was common practice, which it probably was. But uh, within a, a month or two afterwards, the bank called in the loans, forcing them to close the business and then sued to foreclose in their homes. And I remember overhearing the, I was you know a child at the time, I remember overhearing the adults saying that the people behind this bank's move had significant interests in a competing food processor. And the whole fiasco ended up in the courts when the banks sued. And somehow the bank lost and the farmers got to keep their homes. But the the business was also destroyed and hundreds of workers lost their jobs. Here's my most recent story that brings this into focus. And maybe 
you know, maybe because of my background, I'm a little biased. Maybe because of my experiences with banks, I get upset too easily. So this is a story of an e-transfer gone awry. I sent an e-transfer and um, a few days later, I receive an email saying, the transfer cannot be completed. Please update the contact email if it is wrong. So I go back into my account, I take a look at the, the history, and lo and behold, I'd put in the contact email wrong. I'd misspelled the domain name, there's one letter wrong. So I fixed the domain name in the contact, and I waited. There didn't seem to be any way to adjust the name in the e-transfer. There was no button to, to resend or anything. So I thought, okay, maybe it'll take them a little while to recognize that the name has been updated and send it to the correct address. So I, I waited a day. I come back, check into my account. Still, still no change. The, the, the e-transfer has not gone through and it didn't look like anyone had tried to send it. It didn't look like the system had tried to send it to the updated address. So I in investigated a little more. There's a, a cancel button and there's a big warning beneath it says there will be a $5 fee to cancel this transaction. But I don't want to cancel. I don't want to pay a fee. I just want to change one letter in the email address. I followed the instructions they sent me in the email. So I decided that I was doing something wrong. There must be some way to fix this. I don't want to cancel. So I decided it was time to call the dreaded customer service line. My assumption was that they would be able to fix whatever I had done wrong. So I go through the maze of recorded instructions and button pressing, entering my 16-digit bank card numbers. Uh, and while I'm doing this, while I'm going through this thing, the system, the, the mechanized voice says, would you like to approve voice print identification? Please press one. And it's like, what? Voice print identification? Why would I? Do you not know about artificial intelligence? Do you not know that artificial intelligence can simulate voices well enough to fool voice print identification? Why are you still using voice print identification? This, this seemed like a trap. So I, I basically did not allow it. Uh, I did not press one. The voice, the person came on the line and asked, hello, sir, would you please identify yourself? Do, do you consent to voice print identification? I said, no. Now, now a little aside here, I, I went online, did some research uh, after the fact, but I was you know, kind of on the spot here. It's like, no, I don't want to uh, allow voice print identification. I know artificial intelligence can simulate your voice. If your voice is online, which mine is, uh, they can go take samples of it and create a very realistic uh, clone of you to get your banking information. People have done this and it fools voice print identification. And I was like, well, what happens if someone does this? Why are, why are people still being asked to use voice print identification when we know it's broken by a free service called chat GPT? And I looked into, um, what recourse somebody might have. There is a ombudsman for banking services in Canada. Uh, and it's often brought in to provide opinions on banking fraud. Uh, the ombudsman, Mark Wright, has been quoted as saying, in most of these cases, we are not able to make a compensation recommendation in favor of the consumer because our investigations show the bank would not have reasonably, reasonably been expected to prevent the fraud. Uh, 
And this is referring to um, people who have fallen victim to phishing scams who have given away their password uh, to uh, bad actors. But I could see artificial intelligence being the same thing. So any of you out there who are doing voice or doing banking over the phone or, 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 or you know, any sort of remote banking, please tell your bank not to use voice print identification for you and not to approve voice print identification because people can just use that and take your money. So back to the story about the e-transfer gone awry. So I finally reached a kind sounding person, uh, probably from India, who asked me uh, about the voice print ID, which, to which I said no. And of course, this now results in, in result of my denial, the kind lady grilled me on a list of questions about my bank account that I don't have the slightest idea about. Uh, you know, how many months have you done this? How many years has it been that you've done this? What did you do 10 years ago? Anyways, after several minutes, I, I somehow passed the test and I'm able to request support. I've been validated as me uh, and not through voice print identification. Thank goodness. So at this point, my overly naive uh, Boy Scout expectation is that I will explain my predicament in making a one-letter mistake in the domain name, and they will make the changes for me, and I will be able to move on with my life, uh, you know, after 15 minutes into this, this call. So I patiently recount my challenges on getting the email address correct, and the kind lady tells me uh, that it's easy to fix. All I need to do is go into my e-transfer history, find the transaction in question, and cancel it, and then restart with the proper address. And I stopped, and it's like, that's what I, that's what I wanted to avoid. So at this point, I started to get a wee bit frustrated with the process. Does she not know that this will cost me $5? Yes, I know. How new can I be? She knows. So I, I kind of chuckled and said, yeah, yes, I know this. This is why I'm calling you. So I don't have to incur a $5 charge to change one letter in an email address. And, and I'm expecting, you know, customer service at this point. And instead of saying, yes, sir, I can do that for you. She said, I'm sorry, sir. That is impossible. It is impossible for the bank to change the email address. It is impossible to click that key. And at this point, the ugly reality hits me. They know this will cost me $5, and they are boldly doubling down that this is a realistic fee that I should be paying for this mistake that I have made. First, let's talk about the costs to the bank to change an email address in an e-transfer. This is a, a fully automated banking process. If they had allowed me if they had set up the software so that I could edit the info and, and resend, I would have happily done the work. They, there is no necessary work for them for this. There is no reason this should cost me $5. Certainly, it costs the bank and any money lender some money to build the software infrastructure to allow Interact e-transfers and to uh, enter these addresses and send these things. But this is also a service that one might expect to receive especially if one is paying a not insignificant monthly banking fee for a bank account. This is a normal part of doing business and charging me $5 to arbitrarily fix a typo in an email address is bullshit. Excuse the French. 
The bank offers no service to check veracity of email accounts. It doesn't provide a warning that mistakes will cost consumers $5 each. This seems at face value to be a totally superfluous cash grab. So I'm usually a calm and polite type of person. But at this point, I feel a righteous anger bubbling deep inside me. But I keep it together because I know this is a customer service person who has a job and they have been told this is what they must do. They have a script that they must play and they are being paid to do this. This is not the person's fault. This is the bank's fault. And people who take it out on the bank people, I don't have a lot of respect for. So I keep calm. Uh, I calmly explain that, no, it is not impossible. This is a policy of the bank. It is obviously possible to make this change. I could do it myself. There's a few clicks I have to make, but somewhere in that click stream, someone makes me pay $5. And I would like, we have the capability to fix this. All I want is to not pay the $5. But she continues to deny even the possibility of making a change without first canceling and then resending. So 20 minutes in, and I'm not about to quit. The money is sunk here at this point in my, <laughs> as one might say. So, uh, she's doubled down. She says it's impossible. I ask for her manager. After waiting on hold for another five minutes, I hear a man's voice. As I'm a little out of practice with these customer service gauntlets, I made the mistake of forgetting to get the man's name and employee number early on in the call, but I did fix that up later. So this is a warning to all of you. If you're, if you're going to go this path to, to try to get justice for yourself, ask for the name and employee number early in the call so that if they get upset with you and hang up, you can escalate your complaint. All of this is recorded by the bank and, and so their supervisors can find out that if you've, if they've done anything bad that's hurt the banker's reputation. If you can, uh, locate the information for them. So I explain to the manager now how his bank's email said all I need to do is change the contact info and that didn't work. I tell him I'd like him to fix the problem and he says no. The fees are clear. You made a mistake. You need to cancel the transaction. I say, I'd like you to change one letter in the email address and continue the transaction. You have a computer in front of you. You have the capability to change it. He says he cannot do this. E-transfers are handled by a third party in the bank. Cannot change them. So this was a bit of an unexpected answer. Now, he's foisting responsibility onto a third party. It's not his fault. He cannot do anything about this. Uh, and, and, you know, I understand that, you know, this put me off for a, little, a moment. This seems like a plausible answer. Perhaps due to privacy concerns, I am the one that needs to make these changes. And I think, okay, well, you know, maybe... Maybe he cannot do anything. Maybe he can't change this email address. But then wait, I think, is it likely that this third party would charge a $5 fee for such a simple change? So I asked him the question, okay, maybe you can't change it, but then I can change it. Why do I have to pay $5? Who gets the $5? Is it the bank or is this a third party charge? I mean, I wasn't charged any money to do the first transaction. I have a, a banking account, which I pay for. Why am I being charged the second time? Begrudgingly, he answers that, yes, the $5 goes to the bank. This is a banking fee. So 
I say, well, then the answer is simpler. Simple. You can waive the fee. I'm a good customer. I have accounts. I have a substantial mortgage, and I'd be happy to walk away from this bank over this aggravating $5 fee for me to fix a typo. There is no justification for this. This aggression will not stand, man. It is obviously not worth it to the bank for you to continue to spend time on this call in an attempt to gouge another $5 out of me on such a flimsy excuse as a one-letter typo that I've already fixed myself in the contact. At this point, I find that my counterpart is stubborn. Often, these people are trying to maintain good relations with their customers. This is what many of them have, have, you know, if you manage to get to the manager, in my experience, many of them are trying to make things better for you because you're obviously interested in this and spending your time to be, to be a customer and to have a just, a just transaction. But I find in this case that this guy is stubborn. Maybe he's not busy today. Maybe he has a large bonus riding on getting another $5 out of disgruntled bank customers. Whatever the case, he says something like, yes, this is taking a long time. You must cancel the transaction yourself and the fee is automated. I cannot change that. And I tell him that fine, I understand the process is automated. I understand you have set it up to take $5 from me, but you can waive the fee. You can give me back the $5. Give me the $5 back and then I will go through with this process. But he says, no, you cancel the transaction and I'll see if I can waive the fee. What kind of an answer is that? The first glimmer of hope, he's now said he's going to see if he can waive the fee. But now he's playing some sort of dominance game with me. He'll see if he can waive the fee. By this point, I'm righteously furious and trying to contain my temper in this inter and remain polite in this interaction. I say, wait, are you telling me you don't know if you can waive the fee? How did you get to be a manager in this bank if you don't know this simple fact? You know you have a possibility to waive the fee. You will tell me that you will waive the fee and only then will I cancel the transaction. And I had to go back and forth on this for several minutes, asking him to spell out that he will approve the $5 back into my bank if I cancel the transaction. He wanted me to do it without any guarantees to, to hold this over me. So he finally caves and agrees to refund the fee, but only if I do it immediately. And at this point, I'm walking to my next appointment on the street with my phone. So I have to stop and log into my banking app on my phone. I remember to get his name and employee number, <laughs> follow through with the cancellation. And then he puts me on hold for several more minutes. By this time, my next meeting is rapidly approaching. While inside, I'm feeling somewhat gloriously justified. After what seems an eternity, he comes back online and says, he's put the $5 back into my account and promptly hangs up. This is customer service these days. A 40-minute battle with two employees in support of an insufferable $5 fee for me to fix my own mistake that cost the bank nothing. This is how the banks make oodles of money. They want people to be dissuaded. They want people to feel hopeless. They want people to not go to the trouble of spending 40 minutes on the phone with two employees over $5 that they're gouging out of you. Maybe it's time to switch. 
Anyways, thank you so much for listening to my irrational rant. I hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you again soon. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patreon.podbean.com slash The Rational View. Thanks for listening.